This is the business of sports. Let's talk Super Bowl and Fox Sports. Every single thing that occurs, I want people to remember this is a business. Guaranteed money isn't necessarily guaranteed. Michael Barr. How high can these valuations go? Scott Soshnank. Duke. Everybody loves rooting against him, right? Evan Novi Williams. Off the field, the NBA has never been buzzier. And the leaders in the sports industry. Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred. Mike Oresco, he's the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference. Jared Smith, president of Ticketmaster. Mindy race car driver, Elio Castroneves. Bloomberg Business of Sports. From Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Michael Barr. I'm Evan Novi Williams. And I'm Scott Soshnick. Every week at this time, plus Mondays and Wednesdays, we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Coming up, we speak with San Francisco 49 is President Al Guido, but first let's look at some of the top stories of the week. Zion Williamson, he made his highly anticipated NBA debut. The Pelicans forward finished with a team-high 22 points, <laughs> and he did it in spectacular fashion because he did a lot of those points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, if you went to bed at halftime, as you, I did, <laughs> as Evan Novi Williams, the young man on this panel, if you went to bed at halftime, you probably woke up with the notion that Wow, Zion Williamson's going to be an NBA bust. Like, this didn't work out well for him. What a what terrible was it, two, debut. Two points he had scored. Yeah, in not the good, first not half? good. If you stuck around for the second <laughs> half, you're like, whoa, this guy's dropping threes in, in, in what, four consecutive possessions? And it looks like he's got a very, very bright future in the NBA. I, I, am, I was impressed. I, I just, like, oh my goodness. And I was listening to the game as, you know, I'm coming in, and I'm like, and they, that's the, so sad, by the way. I know, <laughs> like, I know. That, I, that sounds that's that's what old men do, man. We listen to it on, you know, it, it, we we can't even see the TV, man. But but I mean, he's just this popping threes left and right, you know, and it's just it, it, and he was excited about it, and he has so much electricity that had taken place in that. Crowd. Talk about it in the bus- in the business perspective. Were the fans excited the about it? I. The the yes. get in price moments before tip off like from bucks? what I saw ten dollars yeah. the you I think you were there Scott in in, in Sacramento when LeBron yeah, made LeBron his debut made right his debut. that was one of the hottest t- people, hottest need, people wanted that one yeah people wanted that one back. yeah I, I was shocked that you know given all the hype maybe because it's just the Zion, seasons you know so deep already and he, he was hurt and I mean I don't this know. guy has been heralded as potentially the next big star in the NBA to we were joking last week you know we should look at what the tickets are going to be they might be crazy high yeah. for a game in New Orleans it seemed to end up the other way um but yeah great for the league right this is a league that needs as many stars as it can that get big can sure draws yeah. New Orleans not a team that I think a lot of people are watching when Zion's not playing so if you can add someone else that that people want to turn to and watch an ESPN Pulled out all the plug, right? pulled out all the stops. They, they, they built it up. So, you know, good good for the NBA, good for the TV partners. Let's talk about Boise State. Uh-oh. They're suing the Mountain West Conference, alleging the league and its other members breached its re-entry agreement by approving a new television deal with CBS and Fox without its approval. All right. I don't know what the contract calls for, <laughs> but I'm going to tell yeah. you, Eben, you know me. I, I, the Mountain West is not on my TV a lot. Yeah. Not, not something I see all the time, but the one thing. I do know about the Mountain West Conference is that Boise State is a member, and when I'm flicking through my TV and I see a blue field, I know Boise State is playing football. Boise State is the is the unrivaled crown jewel of the Mountain West, and well, this well put. this problem, you know, this issue dates back to you know conference realignment back in 2010, 2011, 2012, when the Mountain West had three major schools: it had TCU, Utah, Boise State, and TCU left. 
Utah left, left yeah. and Boise State was going to leave for the Big East. And part of the agreement to keep them in the conference was that they were going to get a bigger share of TV revenue than all the other partners. And under this new deal, this new TV deal that the Mountain West just recently signed about two weeks ago, which is a big step up in money, it looks like there's a chance that Boise State is going to stop getting that advantage. Uh, so, you know, Boise is, is suing the conference saying, listen, we had an agreement that said that if I stayed, I would be treated a little differently than everybody else because, as you said, Scott, I am I am, I'm the reason why else. people yeah. tune in. Uh, and, you know, it sounds like they're trying to enforce that. So my guess is there's going to be a settlement coming here soon. I think the Mountain West understands that Boise State is, is a critical, well, critical go, piece of its national profile. Path? Why go this path and not just reward I, them as yeah, you said I, you I, would? Yeah, I can't, obviously can't speak for Craig Thompson or the conference oh, as a whole. That. Craig Thompson. Commissioner Craig good, Thompson. Good, good for you, Evan <laughs> Novi Williams. Um, but, Coming yeah. from a guy who's been to like North Dakota State, writing about them. So. This is this is a this is a TV deal that is a big deal for the conference. It, it, I think it's a three X on what they were getting before. In Everybody's three Xing these each days. School gets not everybody. I mean, the smaller conferences. There's a little bit of concern about what their what their deals look like. So Mountain West getting a big increase, I think, is a you know is what a Boise big deal. State should do. Bar they should go independent and just get a get their own deal with NBC. That works. That's a, that's a good deal for schools. The, the, like the Notre yep. Dame deal? Yep. I can tell you that's a good deal for yeah. schools that get it. That's never been done before. <laughs> uh, what's this? We got a rift between David Levy and Joe Sy. What's going on? Well, well, yeah, we had a rift when, when David Levy joined the Nets as CEO, and then two months later, he was out as CEO of said Nets. And nobody at the time really delved into what happened there, like... All that David said to me, and we we broke that story that that he was leaving. All David said at the time was the job wasn't what I thought it was, and everybody left it at that. Well, Ira Bue, our colleague at Business Week, had a uh, has a cover story or not a cover story, but has a story with Joe Tai uh, about his his ties to Beijing and basketball and Brooklyn. And one of the things he talked about was what happened there with David Levy. He's a, a longtime Turner executive. You hired him to not only be the CEO of the team, but uh, as a principal uh, in your investment firm. And pretty much, like, I was surprised that Joe said that David didn't really want to do the work involved in running a team, the mundane day-to-day. He was looking bigger picture. How do we, exp- how do we expand JTI sports before the other? The other? And Joe Tai said that we need somebody to take care of those details first. And, you know, of course, we asked David about it. He just said, listen, the job that I got was not the job that I signed up for. So at least we got a little clarity what happened between the two because everybody in the industry, and I do mean everybody in the industry, when I would what I saw them after this happened said to me, hey, you know, David, you know, Joe, what happened there? You know, and both were being very coy. Now I think we're getting a little more uh, insight into what went on. Scott, I think you and I kind of have a, the similar reaction here in that if that was the sticking point, it seemed like you could have they could have hired someone else yeah. to do the, the, the mundane, non-glamorous, let David COO have a number two type COO. stuff. Yeah. 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 And, and and let David kind of stay above that and, and do the things that he really wanted to do alongside Joe. But again, we look we look at the business of sports and why are we talking about this? Because this is about hiring practices. These are did everybody ask the right questions? Uh, how, how was there such disagreement as to what is the job that I'm getting? 
What am I expected to do? Well, hold on to what you just said, because and I'm not knocking David Levy and work ethic and this and that, whatever. But you have to remember, Joe Ty is one of those guys, and he made news several months ago where he believes in a six-day work week. And you're talking at least what twelve hours a day for David, the employees. David, at Turner, David's used to a seven day work. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, so, uh, yeah, so six what's is, the is, deal? I, I don't understand. Yeah, it's just somehow the there there were mismatched expectations, and in the process, you wonder where the communication fell short. And it's a good lesson for business of sport or business in general. You've got to have a crystal clear delineation as to what are my responsibilities, what do you want me to do, and then you perhaps can avoid a situation like this. Because now the Nets, of course, I mean, Ali Weisberg of, of Blue Pool is now sort of running things. You, you need somebody in there as a CEO. I mean, I could see the questions and the interview process being quite different next time around. Now let's get to this week's interview with Al Guido, president of the NFC champion 49ers San Francisco. He's been in the position since 2016, overseeing all key business initiatives for the Niners. He also serves as the CEO and co-managing partner of Elevate Sports Ventures, working to bring business solutions to the sports and entertainment industry. Al, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. So, is it hard to get your day-to-day personal stuff done when you're in the Super Bowl? You know, what, what takes precedent now, football or family? It's tough to get it all done. Yeah, they're one and the same at this point. Um, so, yeah, you're right. I did have some family stuff I needed to get done today with my daughter at the dentist. And the good news is, uh, you know, we, like any any business, we, we've been planning for this. And so I got most of my personal stuff out of the way as far as my family, the tickets, all the other good stuff yesterday so now it comes down to really just continuing the planning prop you know the preparation for the for this big game this is fun actually al how much work do you guys do kind of preparing for this two-week stretch before you get to this two-week stretch how much work was done before you guys beat the packers versus just in case. do you wake up on monday morning and go oh man now we got to do all this in two weeks <laughs> Quite, quite a bit, and frankly, um, the NFL does a really good job as you know, uh, helping along this process, uh, it, them and and on location events. And so, last week, as we were uh, once we won our divisional round game against the Minnesota Vikings, uh, the NFL brings all four teams uh, out to Super Bowl sites so in Miami to go over all the logistics for both AFC and NFC teams. And they really do a good, great job breaking it down between, hey, football operations, so your training facilities, obviously your locker rooms, your hotels, your meeting spaces, and then all of your business because we get an allotment from the NFL as participating teams, so where your events might happen from a welcoming reception to a post-game um, party, et cetera. So we've been, frankly, we've been planning for this for a little over a month. But I would say it really heated up after we beat the Vikings in our divisional round game. And you're there with Mark Murphy, the president of the, of the Packers, saying, "Well, one of us is going to be here." <laughs> it, it is a little odd, uh, to be honest. That you know you're in a room and uh, and you know two teams uh, of the four are not going to be there. Uh, but yeah, will, it, will, it, will the table runners be green or will they be <laughs> sort of the golden red? <laughs> There's a lot of there's a lot of friendly dialogue between our groups. I saw Mark down on the field on Sunday, and you know we both wish each other luck, and and we all know what's at stake. But uh, and the NFL, you don't really have a choice. I mean, frankly, I don't know. I was 
talking to Jed York, our owner, yesterday at, at a lunch table. It was me, Jed, uh, John Lynch, and Prague Marate. And I frankly don't know how they pulled this off with only a week in the past. I mean, I know it's been a while and it's been a buy for – but, you know, between signage, travel, logistics, training facilities, I mean – uh, it's crazy, and then Lynch told me that when he played in it, he you know he said it was only a week in between. I don't, I really don't know how you do it because you really need to get all the the personal stuff out of the way, and that takes frankly probably seventy two hours between you know players, family, staff, etc. I mean, it's just a lot. It's funny you mentioned Prague Marate. Here's and Eben was there for this. Here's my my embarrassing moment. Years ago, he was talking at the Sloan Sports Analytics Conference, and I was in the back of the room, and we had touched base. I hadn't met him, but we had touched base beforehand about getting together. I did not have my glasses on at the time. I mean, that's a pretty big room, and I know you know that. So afterwards, I sort of make my way through the crowd backstage, and, and it's dimly lit back there, and I sort of stick my hand out, and I'm like, hey, Parag, Scott Soshnick. And it was not Parag. <laughs> <laughs> he was like two people away. He was two guys to the like, left. Yeah, to the right a little bit. <laughs> hey, cl- close enough. But, hey, you just said we all know what's at stake. And I know this is going to be a difficult thing to answer. But if you give me the 30,000-foot view, what is at stake? What's at stake for a team going to the Super Bowl, sticking with sort of like the business implications like we like to discuss? Well, on the business side, I mean, we've been fortunate. We have a great fan base here. Most of our tickets are, are sold out on season ticket rates. Or, you know, since we opened up Levi Stadium, so now it's the sixth year. Uh, and, you know, we've had a tough couple of years on the field in the very beginning. Um, but we've renewed our season ticket base to roughly 97, 98%. So we don't have a lot more tickets to sell. Frankly, we don't have a lot more suites to sell. As you can imagine, sponsorship, um, we do have some inventory that we can – we can put out there from a retail perspective. Our partner is Fanatic, so Michael and I have been going back and forth on how we're doing. And I know he tweeted out that you know Forty ers and Chiefs was the number one selling sort of NFC and AFC championship game weekend from a retail perspective. Two and a half Scott. times last year. Yeah, two and a half times. And that's, so. and that's Michael Rubin, by the way. I would say it's more, you know, long-term sustainability, frankly. I mean, you know, as, as we look to potentially renew our sponsorship deals or renew some of our suite deals, um, we feel really good about the team we have on the field. Obviously, our goal is to, to win this game on Sunday. But um, from a local revenue perspective, it's all about um, making sure that we fill the building and that we sustain this revenue for a long period of time. Do you have an added advantage in that this is occurring at a time when the main NFL competition in the Bay Area, the Raiders, are going to Las Vegas. So you said you do have some, maybe some suites, some sponsorship. If I want to be involved in the NFL game, you're the only boys in town these days. Is that, does that come into play? It could. I mean, there's, you know, certainly as we plan on being the only team here, there's some ancillary revenue streams. You know, we launched a, a concept with Mark Mastroff not too long ago called 49ers Fit, which is a 30,000 square foot um, gym. And so extensions of our brand that are outside our physical footprint of Levi Stadium are things that we're constantly talking about. In the community, we'll be doing a lot more events um, in the in the Oakland market uh, as we get on the youth side. So I think as we grow, in, you know, as I call it, the next generation of 49ers fans, because um, we certainly know Raiders fans are passionate, and we might not convert a Raider fan that's there today, but what's the next generation of fans that are growing up inside this marketplace and how they might impact 
uh, our team, our business, et cetera, I think is important to us. So we've really put a lot of our focus and energy on that um, as opposed to trying to convert anybody that's there now. Because what makes the NFL great, frankly, is the passion and the fandom of all 32 teams. <laughs> and it's not lost on us that it's probably going to be really hard to, to convert some of those diehard fans. But you can try. How about a jersey exchange program? You bring silver and black, we'll give you one of ours. <laughs> Uh, we haven't even we have not contemplated that. Uh, you know, I I'm good friends. We're good friends with Mark Bedane and the Raider, and then they're having a ton of success down there. And for us, like, look, we'll do our job in the community. If ultimately someone decides to switch gears, then that's on them. I, you know, for me, I, I always say when I grew up and as as a kid, you know, playing youth football, etc. I mean, that's where you really become a fan of a team. And, and so, you know, whether it's our youth football flag programs, which are the most robust in the NFL, uh, we sponsor a ton of different flag and tackle leagues. We have our own, frankly, across the entire Bay Area. And so now with the ability to expand that, you know, I think our fan base will grow. Uh, but it's going to happen over time. We, it's not going to happen overnight. We're speaking with Al Guido, president of the Super Bowl-bound San Francisco 49ers. And Alice, we talk about you know potential benefits of winning the Super Bowl. One that I think sometimes gets overlooked, and actually correct me if I'm wrong, how much would a win help you guys in terms of attracting free agents? I mean, I can't imagine it's necessarily a problem, but does a, does a Super Bowl championship team get that kind of added boost in terms of negotiating and also try, trying to sign new players? That's a good question for like a John or you know Kyle. I mean, I, I yeah. think a lot of that is is uh, you know playing for you know one obviously you want to play for a coach and organization right that values you and that's got a spot. But as you know, in, the, in this it's all competitive in this league. I mean, look, last year we yeah, we were wearing t- some of the guys were wearing t-shirts last year from Mobile to to Miami, and so. You know, we were, you know, one of the, you know, from a record perspective, um, not one of the best teams in the NFL. And I think we still attracted some great free agents here because of our coach, because of our front office, because of our ownership group, because of the market we play in, the fan base, our stadium, all of our resources, right, our operations. So I think a lot of, you know, it's, it's not, look, it's nice, certainly, I'm sure it doesn't hurt, but I don't think it's, you know, it's, it's probably one of 10 things that people go through in their minds when they decide to, you know, sign with a team. And how about the person? opportunities for for players right Jimmy Garoppolo quarterback seems to be getting obviously a lot of attention right he's going to be a quarterback in 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 the Super Bowl how much do you think for for players and their own individual brands kind of getting this far and having this spotlight helps them personally oh I think it's a huge help I mean anytime you play you know think about we've obviously played two playoff games now and you know what those ratings are like and how many people are now exposed to the 49ers that might not necessarily be exposed on a normal Sunday all of those things come and and uh what I love about you know Jimmy in particular I mean you know his main sole focus you know he's turned down probably a lot of these opportunities because frankly his sole focus is to win a Super Bowl and and so we with I think our team has benefited from the national spotlight we've been in we've gotten we've got flexed in to a number of primetime games this year, and that certainly added to the intrigue of of our players and both our team. And I think that will only continue over time. Um, 
you know, obviously, if you win it, that that becomes very different. But um, we have, well, I think, we have a lot of marketable guys on our squad right now. If you if you just go by jersey sales, which again is probably another fanatics thing, you know, whether it's Jimmy or Richard or Bosa um, or any of those other guys that are at the top of that, like Kittle. I mean, geez, you know, between all the WWE mentions, I, I like to think we're the we're the WWE's favorite team between Stone Cold and The Rock, etc. Um, so there's just a, there's a lot going on right now within our squad because I think we got real likable guys and then they also perform real well on the field. I feel some cross-promotional opportunities <laughs> coming. I don't know. I, I, I feel there could be something there. Evan did a great story uh, about the Garoppolo shirtless t-shirt. Did you get one? Feels great, baby. Oh, no, no, the one that killed it. Uh, yes, I do have one. Um, and then we're also, the, the Feels Great Baby is down in the in the team store, which uh, those things are, <laughs> between the, we call it the Shanna hat uh, and the <laughs> Feels Great Baby. Uh, we cannot keep those things in stock. The, to me, I, I was joking with my wife the other day. It was like, you remember when like the Tickle Me Elmo thing was like, you couldn't buy one? Yeah, it was like yeah. The big Beanie thing. Babies, yeah. Yeah, between the Shanna hat right now, which is the red hat he wears, with the you know the SF logo and the flat brim, um, I'll tell you, man, we just literally cannot get those things in fast enough before they sell out. I feel like there's almost the the, the kind of apparel and hats, t-shirts, etc., that are not maybe traditional, you know, team logo kind of things, but are but are more maybe inside jokey or more kind of of the moment. Seem to be having uh, they they seem to be flying off shelves a bit more, I think, than more traditional stuff. Is that right? Yeah, it's been it's been uh, and it's been that way for us this year too. If you look at like our players, I know I know a lot has gotten made certainly this past week and then earlier in the season. Our players wanting to wear our all white um, throwbacks from our our ninety four ninety five Super Bowl season. Mm-hmm. And sure, Sherm of course has been real vocal about it. And now we we love the unis. You know, Shanahan wanted to bring them back. It was, you know, his father was here during that time, and um, and so as we as I think the whole NFL and honestly every one of these leagues. I mean, if you look at what the NBA is. And I think it's great between the city uniforms, et cetera. I mean, you know, bringing more flair, more flavor into some of these sports because um, I think it, you know, it attracts all demographics. I mean, obviously, there's no doubt. We, I feel, we have one of the most classic uniforms in all of all the sports between our road and our home jerseys, and we, you know, we've altered from that in the past. But I would say, you know, over the course of the last, as long as I've been here, ten years, we've always had those classics, but. Yeah, you know, we 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 brought in all black a couple of years ago that sold really well. Now the all whites, which everybody loves. And so I think the NFL. Um, you know, I've been having conversations with them this week. I mean, it's going to continue to evolve in, frankly, what we might allow the teams and or Nike as our partner to maybe create on behalf of these clubs to attract maybe a different fan. Give us a glimpse. What are we talking about there? Well, look, I mean, there's always been this conversation around, you know, if you go to college football, it's probably my best example. They Oregon, Oregon's the one that like jumps out yeah, at me, like they get these exactly neon, right. change it every week. That's exactly right. Now, I don't think we'll ever get to that. Um, well, I shouldn't say, I don't know, certainly not in the near future, I haven't heard that, but, you know, college football has allowed you to change helmet colors and all these other things, where the NFL probably has, you know, shied away from some of that, and so, you know, who knows? I mean, I, to me... Right now, the way it works is you got your your home, uh, or you got your home and your road traditionals. Then you have your alternate. Then you have your throwback, and then you have your color rush. Um, and so for us, our blacks are alternate, our all whites are color rush, um, and we don't have a throwback just yet. Now, you know, will they start to say? 
and this is a lot of, uh, you guys cover this on the business side, it's not just as easy as saying, hey, let's just create a new jersey. Nike's got to put it in stock. It's got mm-hmm. a bunch of other stuff that happens. But I do think, um, you know, there might be a time where, frankly, we maybe allow more jerseys or we allow maybe a change-up of pants and, 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 jer- and jersey tops or helmet change colors. So all of that's on the discussion line and has been for a while. And so I, I would imagine those those conversations continue on. I think the the NBA, you know, the the city uniforms, which you were mentioning, I think earlier, right? The Miami Heat had a had a great one. I think those are fantastic. I think most people also look at the NFL and think of it as maybe it doesn't have to be the one that that goes out on a limb to make those, you know, to 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 do that innovative thing, right? Because the NFL is the dominant force right now in in the U.S. sports business marketplace right and, and they can see and wait to see oh that goes well maybe we can do that later we can adapt that if we think we want to i think that's right and i think you know some of it too is just uh, uh the supply in the in the sense of we don't you know we play what you know 16 or you know, 20 games sure. total right between preseason and regular season so we don't have the sheer volume of games that these other leagues have and so and and i, I think that in and of itself is a, is a big shift and then you're right there's you know, from a league that's we're celebrating our hundredth year this year. I mean, it's just got a ton of ton of history, and um, there's uh, certainly a lot of fans that, and and I probably fall into this, frankly, that like our classics, right? I mean, that, you turn on a game and you want to see the classics. You know, if I if I if I were to watch a big Kyle's rivalry, you know, call it whatever you want to want to pick, and you know, Ohio State Michigan, I might be one of the ones that want to see the classic uniforms versus maybe the new ones. And so I think there's a balance between if you maybe look at practice jerseys. You know, that's happened in maybe the EPL where there might be a practice jersey or an academy jersey that might be different. And so it might not necessarily need to be our game day attire, mm-hmm. but it could be all of maybe some of the other things that we do. Well, the Take- word the, the word classic was just used. Uh, I can think of no more classic NFL poster that was on my sister's wall than Joe Montana. He's in the odd position of, I mean, I, I believe everybody thinks of him as a 49er. But he also played for the Chiefs. Will you utilize him? I'm, if I'm a team sponsor, and you're clearly going to have events with your business partners in Miami, I would think having Joe show up would be advantageous. Is he going to be utilized uh, during Super Bowl week? Yeah, we have. So um, we're still firming up some of these details, but um, and I don't want to speak on behalf of him because I know he's got a lot of uh, commitments. But we definitely we have uh, used Joe. Joe is a big part of our game. Uh, against the Vikings. He was down on the field, honorary captain. And then last week, Steve Young and Jerry Rice were honorary captains. Now, we all saw what happened post-game with Mike Shannon and Kyle and Jed. And so we we have a, uh, without giving it away, because we haven't told the players yet, but we have a number of things in store um, for our with our alumni and our current guys. Obviously, as a five-time Super Bowl champs, um, we have a ton of guys in market and that ultimately are going to fly to the game that want to be a big part of what we're doing. And, uh, and uh, I think you'll see it in the content pieces that roll out maybe uh, Sunday or Monday as our team. Our team's leaving for Miami on Sunday, but there's a lot of special things that we got planned for our current guys to get a real feel for what this means um, from some of our former guys. I wrote something two years ago, I think, about the kind of the tremendous player appearance 
appearance economy that exists in in the Super Bowl, kind of in the, in the ten days on site leading up to up to the games, and and there are a lot of players, current players and former ones, not even connected to the two teams, you know, who can make some serious money by doing a few chalk talks, by going to a few parties, by doing a few radio appearances, et cetera. It's a whole vibrant economy down there that I think a lot of fans don't actually know about. Yeah, I mean the lead up, you guys know this. I mean the sheer just size, volume, audience. I mean, it's 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 crazy. And uh you know, as a participating team, it's I've been I've been lucky enough to now have this this is my second go around. Um we participated in 12. I probably view it very differently from when we don't participate. You know, when we don't participate, uh Thursday through Saturday is probably the most important and Sunday I'm like any other fan watching, you know, and <laughs> and this go around Thursday through Saturday is important. We care about it. We've got to put on a great event and show and make sure our players are good. But, frankly, I care more about Sunday than anything else. So, uh, you know, it's funny how these things have ebbs and flows, uh, you know, depending upon where you're at in the game. Al, I want to ask you, you know, taking, you know, aside from the 49ers, obviously this has been a great year for you guys. It seems to have been a, a pretty good year business-wise for the NFL writ large. Rating, ratings are up, and that's a perfect time because, you know, some, some, some big media contracts are about to start getting negotiated. Kind of how would you characterize where the NFL is right now league-wise from a, from a business standpoint? I think we're in a terrific place. Um, again, I, you know, I've been with the NFL now. I think this is my... 13th or 14th year in some capacity between working um, for the Cowboys and then the 49ers. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm privileged enough to go to these league meetings and hear the updates and see the ratings. And, and frankly, I think our game's in a really good spot. I think we have great young stars. Um, you know, certainly at the quarterback position, we're going to play one on Sunday. Um, you know, we like our guy, too, who's also you very one. young. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you have exactly. one and you're facing one, right? That's right. So, um, and, and, you know, if you look at the parity, I think, you know, going into this season, obviously, look where we finished last year and where we're at now. You know, a lot of fan bases going into any given NFL season really truly have hope. And, you know, I don't know how many other leagues can say that. And I think it, it lends itself to what you're seeing from a ratings perspective and what you're seeing from a from a in-market local revenue perspective as far as our buildings being full. Now, you know, we all have, um, you know, challenges, but I think that our opportunities are, are vast. And, you know, as we think about the future of the game, um, I'm really, really excited about, from a business perspective, the person that's in charge of it on this side, the opportunities that are in front of us to to widen our sort of our scope or, or or take advantage of the opportunities that might be in front of us in the next couple of years. Commissioner Goodell, Roger Goodell, has said, you know, he has a goal of 25 billion in league revenue by 2027. Do we think that is looking on pace? Do we think that he could be it. under he or, or more? It. How do you feel about that target right now? <laughs> Uh, I will not speak for the commissioner. Um, no, I, I, well, without, without commenting on the actual revenue goal or, you know, uh, you're better off probably having a Brian Rollap or somebody like, like that answer some of those questions relative to the next broadcast rights. But to, to, I to put it in, hold on, hold on, Al, to put it in football parlance, you just punted. Yeah, I just punted. <laughs> so I, I would say that, um, it's going to be, you know, like it's a combination of both the national revenue streams and the local and the local teams, and uh, and I think the league is doing a really good job, um, you know, between Brian uh, Rini's group. I mean, I'll leave a bunch of people out: Chris Halpin, you know, Hans Schroeder, all the all the people that are working, you know, Marion Turk, all the people that are working really hard on the next broadcast rights agreements. 
all of the commercial rights from a sponsorship perspective. And then the way I, I look at it is, you know, my job is to make sure that our local market is doing what, what, what we should relative to our size, um, our fan base, our stadium, et cetera, because we're part of that pie. And um, I think all 32 teams probably feel that Mark Donovan is a good friend of mine. We're going to play feels the exact same way. Like him and I's job is to do the best job we can in our local market to add to that pie. Who knows where it goes to, but I feel good about the prospects of it. All right, then let me get you out on this then, and this one quite won't be quite as controversial as having to kind of pin down the commissioner. How critical to the success of not only the major broadcast networks, but of course the cable and some of these tech companies that perhaps could be bidders for NFL rights, how critical is the programming that the NFL puts out there in terms of drawing eyeballs, monetizing those eyeballs, and promoting other parts of their lineup? Oh, I don't think I'm going out on a limb here. I think it's extremely critical. Um, you, know, you can look at any one of these executives and their comments in and around the importance of NFL football, you know, whether it's, you know, 46 or 47 in the top 50, 96 or 97 in the top 100, um, you all have probably rattled off the stats better than I will, but um, there's no doubt. I mean, if you look at just our, our local market, I mean, we were up almost 60%, if not 60% local television ratings um, here, and so... Uh, I think it's critical if you if you if you look at the two streams of content, right? Whether it's live sports or or cable news, given what's going on in, in the world right now, I mean, those are the two things drawing the eyeballs, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. And as long as we keep putting a good product on the field, I frankly think it'll be critical to these businesses to make sure that NFL games are part of their broadcast. There's only one person that Roger Goodell and the owners need to fear. Judging from the numbers that I have seen in the last week or two, do you know who that person is? Al. There's only one person that needs to be feared. Alex, I, I, Alex Trebek. <laughs> That's it. The, the man puts well, his tournament like, of champions together. And, a, uh-oh. It's Alex Trebek or the or or uh, what? My my wife. I asked my wife this. What what was the games that or what were the events that weren't in the top? What weren't NFL games? And somehow or another, she guessed the Macy's Day Parade, which was right. And yep. so uh, I am not one that watch. I watched the Rose Bowl parade, um, but I was surprised. To People see. just put that on hoping that the NFL game is on already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Where, where are the Lions? Shouldn't the Lions be on? Maybe, that's, maybe it's, that's, a, that's a good way to think about NFL, too, is sort of pre and post, lead in and, and, and out. It's, yeah. uh, it's a good way to put those events on. Uh, true story, and we'll let you out on this. Al Guido, president of the 49ers. Jackson Sostrick, my son, I think age seven, I think he was seven at the time, played a paper boy in the parade. Oh, that's awesome. So well, that's a good story. We have him in the car, like uncomfortably old, zipped up in a jacket with a scarf and one of those paper boy hats just like waving out of the window. And when we were done, like, hey, do you want to do it next year? He's like, no. <laughs> so more fun for us than him. But speaking of fun, hope you enjoy your time in Miami. We will see you there. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the time. That's El Guido. President of the NFC champion San Francisco 49ers. Our thanks to him for joining us today on the Bloomberg Business of Sports Show. And I have a wife who just went bananas when the 49ers won the NFC championship game. Running around in her Ronnie Lott jersey. Uh, yes, she was. Uh, you know, it's she loves this team. So ever since Joe Montana and that era, she adored him. So the weekend that they won and being a Lions fan, let's put it this way. She told me to come into the room as the game is on. I said, come here, honey. Come watch a real team. 
And I'm like, that Ouch. hurt. Yeah, Ouch. That, that, was, that was really insulting. Ouch. Well, I mean, I, I like listening to Al just sort of delineate what comes next, the process of the week and how big this is and how much he has to do. And I did not know that the week before the four teams went down – so you're kind of sitting there with the team you're about to beat. You just don't know which team's going to advance. And the details with which everything is programmed and how the business partners are brought in, how the team then looks to, and I'm going to use an industry buzzword, activate on their appearance and then what they do in the weeks and months and years afterward. How do they take advantage of it? Just fascinating to listen to. I love the idea of executives down we two weeks before the Super Bowl, thinking, "Oh, this is cool. Uh, I hope we're here. Yeah, I hope it's us. <laughs> I hope I'm here in another in another week." Uh, another another thing, you know, my takeaway from from Al, you know, super interesting. You know, the NFL seems like it's in a, a very good position right now. It's not just the 49ers. It's not just uh, it's not just the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, ratings have been up. You heard him say it. You know, it's a good time for the league right now, heading into these negotiations. And he really believes, and he's not wrong. If if you put a good product on the field, the NFL is going to remain. You know, an absolute must-have for a lot of these broadcasts, and because it's a must-have, it's going to be a lot of dollars. My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since kids. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first start wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports: The Number of the Week. Time now for the Number of the Week, and Pete Coates, who is also a listener and friend of the program. Works uh, here. Yes. Used to be in the sports department. He's, we love Pete Coates. It was a great idea. I met him upstairs with. and he said, I have a suggestion for you. Yeah. So that the audience at home can play along. We're going to set it up kind of like a trivia question. Yeah. So when I give you this number of when the week. When you hear the Jeopardy theme music, you yeah. can think about it. While, while we bandy about, people can try and come up with the answer. Here's the number of the week. Seven. Now. I, I don't think that's the way Pete Coates <laughs> no, said no, that. No, 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 no. No, no. <laughs> No, if, if you can split between the Kansas City Chiefs and the uh, San Francisco 49ers, split the difference between how many appearances those teams have made it to the Super Bowl. I think I have a guess. I'm saying the number oh, of seven. Oh, you they, want to they know the total, total They have a total of seven. See, I think, I how think, many of the 49ers I think made? the better number of the week is what are the total appearances. Yeah, the total appearances. Right. Well, that's that's, that's what I'm getting at. The okay. total number of appearances between right. the two teams right. is okay. seven. Give I'll, me the split so, right. between the okay. two teams. Five and two. That's that's what I would have guessed, too. Five and two. Yeah, that's it. Okay. And now, five for the 49ers. Five for the 49ers. Yeah, I guess yeah. Yeah. So that, one, that one was <laughs> yes. pretty easy. Yes. But the one where the Kansas City Chiefs was the last one where – I just I love Hank Stram, man. And he's, what about Lenny Dawson? What? Yeah, yeah, Lenny. Look at you. Yes. <laughs> nice first, job, Lenny. Christian Okoye says what? <laughs> were they the first two? Am I right about that? The Chiefs were in the first two Super Bowls. Uh, Bar, you were and there and haven't been since. <laughs> yeah, Bar, you were there. No, I, the first one was uh, the Green Chiefs Bay. and Green Bay. Okay. I'm not sure if that. I thought was... the Chiefs were. In, it was certainly two of the early ones, right? It's been yeah. a long time since they've been here, and and the Niners were in the Super Bowl for four or five. Not years even ago. Joe Montana could w- make when it the happen. lights when the lights went out. Very controversial. When the lights go I gotta down look it up now. In the city. <laughs> uh, you've been listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports. We're here each and every week at the same time. Plus online, wherever you get your podcast, you can catch those Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. I'm Evan Novi Williams at Novi underscore Williams. And I'm Scott Soshnick. You can follow me on Twitter at Soshnick. Thank you very much for joining us. Please tune in next week when we once again speak with the biggest and brightest in the sports business industry. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports and Bloomberg Radio around the world.